Hi, this is Nathan Pierce, and you're listening to another episode of Red Talks. And I have a guest with me today from WWT, Mark Wall. Mark, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name's uh, Mark Wall. I'm a uh, solutions architect for Worldwide Technology, and thanks for having me today, Nathan. No, it's great to have you on board. Um, the reason Mark is joining us so early on in the program is that um, we actually work a lot with uh, you guys out there at WWT, and um, you've got some really good insight of just what's going on, what what level of adoption people are at with programmable infrastructure, and actually, I think we'd be good to really share the kind of roadblocks people run into and just what we have to do to get around them, because they're not always technical, sometimes they're cultural, and th there's a lot going on, so um, yeah, I'm going to sit back and put my feet up and drink my coffee, and you can tell us all about the real world out there, Mark. How's that sound? Perfect. Sounds great. Um, so yeah, and it's very interesting. You know, we're seeing a lot of our uh, of our customers um, recently come down and, and and really try to understand. You know, is it is it automation? You know, is it DevOps? Is it orchestration? Is it cloud? And and you know, a lot of it has um, the same themes that we're seeing across the board. Um, one thing that I like to say uh, is that the idea of having silos of excellence are sort of going away. Um, you're having these individual teams that are all moving towards the same goal, but there may be a group of, you know, storage individuals. There may be a group of networking individuals. There may be a group of, you know, the application developers. Um, and really, everybody kind of had their own piece of this, you know, overall puzzle. Um, and really, with this trend towards, you know, automation and DevOps, we're seeing those silos somewhat collapse. And really having those teams have to tear down those silos and kind of work together. So it's very interesting and it's very, um, it, it's very cool to see people kind of um, take a step back, look at things from a bigger picture and try to bring some of that together. So a lot of conversations across the board, across all different technologies. Um, and really the cool thing is we're able to, to kind of try to get an idea of how to bring these teams together. And, and it's fun because you know, some of these individuals have never met each other working at the same company for, you know, 10 years, um, and they're literally right down the hall. So it's it's kind of a fun time to see that transition from, you know, I, I do this kind of thing here to now, hey, let's let's kind of work together. Let's, let's leverage some of these new tools and technologies coming around uh, to kind of get some of these things going. It's definitely a big change in the industry. So, so you guys get to be like the internal United Nations within the <laughs> departments. <laughs> well, we, we try to be, um, and like you said, sometimes it's sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's um, you know different pieces uh, uh, of of a solution that we're trying to bring together. Um, but it's definitely fun to say the least and kind of bring um, and try to bridge those gaps. Um, particularly, you know, you mentioned around programmability. Um, this is a huge theme for us in customers just looking to dip their toe in the water. So how do I get started with, um, you know, some simple repetitive tasks that I do? Um, you know, if I'm creating, a perfect example, if I'm creating VIPs, right, if I'm creating my, um, my, my VIPs for my applications, that's bread and butter. That's something that the operations guys do day in and day out. And they say, hey, how do I maybe automate just, just a simple task of creating this? So, so my application developer, can go on and check a box, 
put in a couple servers, right? Um, or maybe those are automatically spun up and all of that sort of automated. And we're seeing a lot of interest in how do I get started? What are those first couple small steps to get me on kind of that road moving forward? So very interesting times. Would it be fair to, to say that um, I, th I think a lot of people feel like they're under pressure to go straight from using the GUI and the CLI to a fully autonomous system? And they think that they need to do that on day one, and that's kind of terrifying to them. And and in reality, actually, it's operationally risky to put that much into the automation straight up. You need to kind of get comfortable with each step. So would that be a fair kind of comment? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and we're definitely seeing that um, customers, you know, come to us and say, hey, you know, we're, we're getting this new uh, – cloud first strategy or, or private cloud strategy or all, everything's got to be automated strategy and they're coming out you know both guns you know ready to go let's let's get this done um, but really to your point um, you know a lot of people miss the idea of hey let's start small let's let's pick some some simple repetitive tasks that we can sort of um, you know start prove out and then add the next piece um, you know my colleague Joel King always says you know two things I want to do. Let's make it dumb as a hammer, right? Make sure anybody can consume it, and it's simple, but also micro-solution based. Let's not boil the ocean. Let's pick one or two things, get some success, and, and get some momentum using that and then tie these solutions in together. So absolutely, the, the pressure is there, um, and I think the, the, the best advice that we've seen is really take small sections, work on those, and use that to be able to move forward. So your, your traditional NetOps kind of um, person could... It, they don't have to integrate on day one because because that is the the scary change is turning the keys over to the Ferrari to a completely different team. But they can automate the things they do themselves, get comfortable with that process of automation. So something that would normally type individual command on a CLI, well maybe I can use a REST API on that same product and actually just send a payload that does all that for me. So I've eliminated that whole process of typing each individual commands, which I could make a mistake on or, you know, which which is time consuming, you know, lends itself to operational risk. So that first step, I think, is actually just making the traditional NetOps person far more operationally efficient. And then once comfortable with that, once comfortable with debugging practices and, and you know, how to understand and interpret the logs of those operations, only then are you ready for the next phase, you know, the second phase of, of orchestration, which is where you start saying, well, you know what, I'm so happy with this script and the way this automates, it's pretty solid. I'm now going to give the commands to run it to the person using my orchestrator. And even that orchestrator might be within the infrastructure team still, or it might be outside of the infrastructure team. But at least you've got comfortable with that initial process. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what I see. Is that, does that replicate your world? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're seeing that, um, you know, sometimes teams sort of own the solution end to end, or sometimes teams have to work together to where, um, you know, myself is, you know, from a networking standpoint, may have to, you know, hand over. Here's kind of the, the task that I need to do. Put it as part of this maybe, you know, broader orchestration system. But what we're really trying to do is encourage folks, you know, to your point, um, and we're seeing a lot of folks already doing this, to develop some of these, you know, tasks and workflows, these, these simple scenarios, um, sort of in-house, by myself, um, you know, using simple, oh, using simple tools, we're live, so, um, and I'm actually in my vice president's office right now, and he's kind of giving me the, uh, the look, so he's messing with me, I'm sure. I was um, looking in the background trying to work out if that was <laughs> your football up there. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> no, this is definitely his. This is uh, all the St. Louis stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's really you know folks kind of taking those and you know it's we have a theme too. It's uh, who moved my cheese, right? So if I can do a certain task um, via the command line. Why don't I take that and I just take a step back and I say, hey, can I do this from the API from your standpoint? Um, it's not unlike, hey, I, I, uh, I have a terrible golf swing, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with somebody and I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Give this a try. Just, just give me an honest hour of your time. You know, work on your shoulders, line things up, right? And you'll, you'll hit it 20 yards further every single time. Um, and I think that's really kind of the idea that we're seeing um, folks that are that are getting successful is you know what you've done things the same way um, but just give this an honest try and really let me um, help show you and understand the potential of doing things in a programmatic way um, because it's really going to help you in the long run I mean the biggest risk that we see um, is, is human error right so if I'm if I'm on the command line and I'm, and I'm typing away and I'm really busy or I'm getting phone calls and things I may typo something um, as we all know, when you're in the networking or sort of, um, you know, that type of space, a single typo can be very catastrophic. So leveraging some sort of programmatic approach, not only, you know, obviously saves time right in the long run, but it also ensures, you know, compliance, predictability, and making sure that you're very consistent in whatever you're doing. And I, and I think even to that point, um, being consistent and reducing that risk is a win just for you know management and leadership in addition to just the, the, the time to market and the, and the operational savings as well. Totally. I, an example, I don't know why I just remembered this one now. We're always looking for metaphors to explain the kind of benefit of this. But I remember when my, my local pizza joint, this is, going, this is back when I lived in England still, they added this feature where I could just hit a button that said reorder last order. Mm -hmm. That that saved me from a lot of mistakes. I was actually really excited about that feature. And I, I just realized that that's actually the perfect metaphor for service templates. And we talk about a lot these days of how, you know, can we take out having to do every step again every time, whereas now I can just hit this button on my phone and magic pizza arrives at my door. Like, actually, that's the kind of thing we need to bring to operations, not just for ordering fast food, um, but for anything, maybe for ordering salads as well, I could do with some of that instead of just pizza. But yeah, we can bring this same kind of thing to all of our life. And I, I never realized actually that's, that was basically a service template. That's like a, an open stack heat template or when I apply apps or something like that, like that same kind of concept that we're trying to achieve. Um, ease of consuming resources. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, and I have a, you know, another example as well. We do internally, we do a lot of labs and hands-on trainings. Um, and I always, always want to, you know, spin up the VMs, you know, one by one, you know, go ahead and reset them, do all, do everything manually. Um, and to be fair, I, I was in the same boat as a lot of uh, where folks are now. Every other team um, in, in, in that leverages our, our lab environment has some sort of automation whether it's something like Quala Systems, whether it's um, some areas of OpenStack um, with tools on top of it. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to start small, and I'm going to start with the use case that says, hey, I want to rebuild my lab environment. Um, it's 20 student pods, and I'm going to use uh, Ansible in this case, right, to, to go ahead and reinstantiate, set everything up, license everything, and do all that. Um, and I think really having that ability to say, hey, I want to change from, you know, this type of class to this type of class and reset and make it clean. Um, it, it went from literally two entire days of, of rebuilding and licensing, and now it takes me about an hour and 20 minutes for, um, 
for Ansible to run through, build all the VMs, go through, clean everything up. Um, and that way, that not only saved my time, but now I can actually, you know, to your point of consumption, I can actually hand that over to our other team members and say, hey, I know you know how to teach this class, but you're unfamiliar with the lab environment. I've went ahead and, and I, we figured out a way to, to programmatically reset and instantiate this. And that really drives adoption and consumption of this, you know, to our customers and to fellow, um, you know, engineers throughout the organization. So it's definitely something that I think is valuable really in any area of what you're looking at, whether it's, um, you know, some, some big giant business application or maybe it's just some simple reporting or um, even a simple backup strategy. I think there's an opportunity for folks to really pick something, try to figure out how to leverage APIs, how to leverage, um, you know, certain programmatic approaches and really get some success and some confidence and then sort of move down that road. No, that's cool. That's cool. I like the way you put that there. We've got, um, we did, taking these early steps, we're gonna, there's a term we use internally um, all the time and it's about creating this super network. So this isn't a process of leaving behind all the ways that we used to do things. All those things still need to be done. We still need security policies. We still need connectivity. We still need firewalls configured up. We just need to do them without manual process in the way. So it's not like our organizations are turning our backs on our, our, our existing kind of customer that we work with. No, it's about actually going on a journey with them, taking them from the traditional way, the traditional NetOps definition, so this super NetOps user that can really enable them work with continuous deployment tool chains and developers and, and able to really speak that language of, of REST APIs, understanding what a resource is versus a collection, um, those kind of things. So so it's it, we're kind of all going on a journey together really, isn't it? It's not just a it's not a shift, it's an expansion of, of the market of, of what infrastructure has to address now that it is more programmable. Oh, definitely, definitely, and 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 I think you make a good point. It's it's not trying to completely shift, you know, from what we're seeing and where customers are sort of trying to go. It's not from hey, you have to be a a, a network command line guy to now you have to be a full blown developer and understand all of this. It's how do I sort of move in that direction and meet halfway? You made a point earlier about you know sometimes it's internalized to where maybe the network team has their own automation. Um, but in some organizations, and even internally here at Worldwide, um, you know, I, I, I can develop some of the, the networking and the application delivery um, workflows, and I can actually help hand those off to other teams. Um, we have a web development, you know, our portal essentially team um, that does, um, you know, programmatic approaches to essentially everything. So I basically say, here's kind of my API calls that I need to do go ahead and fit it in your, um, your, your web portal development. And that's, and that's really the important thing is that um, I was in the same boat as most customers. I mean, I, I struggled with, you know, what's an API, which, you know, what'd you call me? You know, what rest? I'm, I'm not too tired, right? What, what are you talking about? So um, it was very, it was very interesting for me to sort of try to pick these up and learn these things, but then realize, Hey, I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to know everything. I have to be able to go from where I'm at, understand how to uh, um, the, the, the ability to take some of these calls, develop some kind of simple workflows, but then be able to interface with other team members. Me being the, the SME on the, the networking or the application delivery side, I essentially have to help them understand the API structure. Here's a couple pieces that they need to do, and now I can integrate it into an overall solution. And that's where we're really trying to 
um, you know, have, have conversations with people and saying, hey, you don't need to be an expert, right? You need to start moving in that direction. I think it's really going to help you. Um, but by no means is that you got to go from zero to hero immediately. It's, you know, what's step one, step two, step three, just to be part of that overall solution. And I think you hit it spot on there. That's cool, man. That's good to good to have get that validation from someone out there in the field as well. Um, you mentioned, you know, you, everyone has a beginning in this way. No one's born fluent in REST APIs. So, got any pro tips for anyone? How did you start? Did you just decide, you know what, I'm going to sit down and read all the O'Reilly books on Python? Like, like, what was your starting point? Uh, any any pro tips for anyone out there thinking, you know what, today's my last day of being bound to the mouse. <laughs> so I would say um, it really came down to um, there was a few scenarios and as I mentioned internally we use um, we use a lot of systems uh, like Qualys system is our is our backend lab management system it's very it's very good for a lot of things um, but I said you know what me being a little bit of a rebel um, I'd rather do things in a more programmatic way because that's where the industry is going so I said you know what I'm going to take a scenario where um, you know, I have my load balancer, right? And I want to just do something very simple that customers, um, I think, is going to be coming up. I want to create a VIP, right, that I mentioned. This is my very first dive into this. And I said, how do I do this? So I literally went into the GUI, and I did it, and I kind of mapped out all the steps, right? It's only a handful of steps. I, I create kind of the server, I create the pool, and I create the VIP, right? Um, and then I said, okay, that was pretty easy. Let me do it in the command line. So I went into the command line and I created and I kind of mapped those out and I said, okay, that's, you know, they're somewhat consistent. And then I said, hmm, how do I get started leveraging, you know, this in a programmatic way via, you know, the API? So, um, you know, all APIs are not created equal, right? Um, this happened to be an F5 at, 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 um, in this instance. And I said, hmm, why don't I look at the documentation and start playing around with a couple things? But the great thing that I found out is that, um, you know, on F5, for example, is that the structure of how the command line and even the GUI kind of maps directly to how the API call is. So what I said was, okay, if I make a workflow, I said, what are the steps that I need to do? I need to create a node. I need to create a pool. I need to add the, the node to the pool, and I need to create the VIP. And I literally wrote those out, and I said, how do I do it in the GUI? How do I do it in the command line? And then I said, how do I do it in the API? The great thing is it could all match up one-to-one. -one. And that was the important thing was that, hey, if I did this actual command line command, this is the actual um, API call that I need to do. And it, it kind of matches up very easily. So after I used curl, you know, very simple sort of command line way to do it, I started using Postman. And I realized very quickly, Postman is awesome. If anybody hasn't used Postman, it is absolutely the way to go. And it's free, which is awesome. So I could take Postman and I could save some of these calls, um, but I could also query it. I could also do a, um, a query on the F5 and it kind of helped me out. So I said, hmm, I'm not really sure how to create a VIP in the API. The directions are a little vague. Why don't I create it in the GUI? And then why don't I do a Git on the F5 and it'll spit back the actual API structure and, and, and what I actually need to do to submit it. And so that's really how I kind of learned. I started with a very simple sort of real-world scenario that I found relevant that I knew inside and out from a traditional command line and a GUI structure and I just kind of tried to map those all side by side and it worked out very very well.
After I started getting familiar with that, I started leveraging tools like Ansible and a few others to sort of try to automate it. But really those first steps were, you know, understand it in the GUI, understand it in the command line, and then take those examples and try to map it to, uh, to an API call. So Mark, you're, you're clearly the person who should teach people how to do this. I'm clearly not because, so the way I started, was I didn't map any process. I didn't think through or write down what I was going to achieve. I literally just started poking at the REST API to see what it did. Kind of like a child would poke at a hornet's nest until it got stung. That was my approach. That's how I got started. And yes, I got stung a few times. I did this in my lab, no production environments. It's fine. Yeah. But I, I learned really quickly. There was a lot of, um, I learned through enabling verbose debug mode. That's how I learned the API. Whenever I did something wrong, it would spew out at me exactly how wrong I was. And uh, yeah, no, your approach is better. I recommend customers out there follow the, the Mark Wall approach of thinking through what you're gonna do and working through each step of that. That sounds like a much more sound way of uh, not getting into trouble. Well, you know what? Whatever works, works, right? And I'm usually one to sort of poke, but I didn't even know enough on how to poke it. So I, I, I like the staring compared. You know, here's the command line, here's this, and try to map it up. But uh, you know, honestly, whatever works, I think for most people, as long as, uh, as long as you're getting something out of it and you're learning or learning what not to do, that's just as important, right? At the end of the day, so. Well, at least That's there's great. a pullback career for me of testing electric fences because I'm the kind of guy who tests it by grabbing the fence. So yeah. <laughs> on yeah, that note, exactly. thanks, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate your insight and um, some really valuable uh, ideas there and just even how to look at this thing differently. But um, Yeah, I, I guess what I, I take away from a lot of that is the fact that um, Everyone's in the same boat. We're all at the beginning. I mean, there's an expectation that we hit this autonomous system at the end, but don't even be thinking at that process yet. I mean, some organizations have thousands of developers on hand that just say, show me your API documentation and I don't need to talk to you ever again. But then the majority of us, we don't have that resource. <laughs> Actually, we need to start with what's capable and within our domains and with our realms first. And then once we get a better understanding by using those APIs and by learning how to debug them and troubleshooting them, then we can make that next step in this work with other teams and their deployment tools and systems. So I appreciate you sharing that with us all. And um, I, I hope I can speak to you again in a future episode. You've clearly got a lot of insight to share with us. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I appreciate you having me. It'd be, uh, definitely be great to, to join you guys again. Okay, so that's that's the end of another episode there. You've been listening to Mark Wall from WWT, that's the other guy, and Nathan Pierce from F5 Networks. This has been Red Talks, ranting engineers on DevOps. Thanks for listening. Thanks.